Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you hit the grades of your dreams at school, college, and university through the science of fast learning and lasting memory, the psychology of study productivity, and the secrets to great exam technique. And now your host, the Cambridge University trained psychologist who's dedicated his life to helping students study better and outsmart their exams, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. Today I'm talking to Rachel Williams, who is a school counsellor with over 14 years' experience. She's no ordinary school counsellor though. As you'll hear, she's very well read on the research of how the brain, particularly the teenage brain, works and what practical steps we can take as students to tame it. We're going to cover a wealth of topics today around dealing with emotion, anxiety, procrastination, good study routines, setting goals, dealing with mental blocks, and even managing relationships with friends and family. I particularly enjoyed this conversation with Rachel because she doesn't just explain the theory around these issues. She's also very good at giving a lot of practical tips that you could take away and implement tomorrow. I hope you find it useful. Let's get stuck right in. Rachel, a very warm welcome to the Exam Study Expert podcast. It's lovely to be here. It's great to have you. I thought it'd be useful if you wouldn't mind just starting by saying a few words about what you what you do now and what your, your experience has been. Okay, so first and foremost, I work as a school counsellor and I've worked in education for the last 14 years in large secondary schools. I work one-on-one with teenagers And I also do groups within school environments. I also work with my sister and we train teachers on mindfulness skills in education, both at primary and secondary level. But I think first and foremost, I'm very passionate around bringing mindfulness skills into both the personal and the professional worlds. Fantastic. So you've obviously got a huge amount of experience, as you were saying, working one-on-one with uh, secondary school students. And in all that time, what do you sort of what have you sort of seen as being the biggest barriers to performance for students doing well academically? It's interesting. I worked at um, Wellington College for five years, and um, I've also worked at two large um, secondary schools, also in Berkshire. I would say in my experience in all three of those schools, it is often the internal barriers that actually sabotage performance as opposed to um, events in the outside world. I think we are more resilient than uh, we give ourselves credit for. And teenagers in particular are very resourceful and very resilient and are able to cope with major life events in a way that I often find quite astonishing. However... They also put vast amounts of energy into trying to control their internal worlds. So for me, the biggest saboteur to performance can often be a big emotion or uh, an unhelpful thought. And that thought, if it becomes a belief, can often derail even the the most prepared students. And of course, adolescence sees the rise of the self-critic. Um, so as the brain hits that uh, stage around 14 and 15, it can be the self-critic that runs the show. It, it doesn't feel good and it, and it can have a bad outcome. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Have you got any specific examples of what those sort of when you're talking about internal barriers? What what sort of specific examples might might that you know how might well, manifest itself? I guess um, in more general terms, very often students sit down to do their revision in a highly emotional state. If we are agitated, and for example, if we are feeling very anxious, and we sit down to do some revision, and our brain isn't integrated. And um, when a big emotion shows up, we kind of lose the ability to use our rational and reasonable part of our brain. Our prefrontal cortex literally um, becomes disconnected. So if that, we sit- that emotion might be something like, I can't oh, do this. Or-, or Well, that would be more a thought. An emotion is just the anxiety that comes with just being... A student, I noticed on the news this morning, surveys have shown that um, young people at the moment are far more likely to experience depression and high anxiety levels than at any other point previously. And that's from my own experience is very true. So if you're sitting down in a, and you've got your sweaty palms and a racing heartbeat and unhelpful thoughts such as I've left it too late or maybe even just sitting doing your revision on your bed wearing your pyjamas, all of those are profoundly unhelpful so yes an internal event such as a thought I've left it too late I would say is the main one that I see with students or maybe a thought that um, I'm going to fail or I'm not prepared enough and then the emotions that go with that which can be frustration which can be um, fear and anxiety and very often young people believe that if an emotion has showed up that means that they can't revise so they're trying to revise in a highly emotional state and um, they find that either the revision is utterly unproductive or they don't start at all so that's where procrastination kicks in they wait until they're ready and they're never going to be ready and that to me is very unhelpful when when you get into that frame of mind where you feel like you just can't start because you're not not ready you know what what what, how can we overcome that what can we do about well I think I think one of the things that I've learned over the last few years is that if we can encourage students to kick um some of those butts that is a really helpful technique to use so the students that I work with what I hear and see on the emails that they send me is that you know I want to revise but I'm anxious I want to revise but I'm too tired I want to revise but there's always a but and to me replacing that but with an and is a really great place to start so I want to revise and I'm tired I want to revise and I'm anxious. So part of this is just normalising anxiety and fear as being a normal and natural part of being human. If they wait for the anxiety to go, they're not going to start. So for me, it's about relating more skillfully to the emotions that will inevitably accompany revision and trying to perform under pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it's relating more skillfully to them because they're going to be there. And more often than not, young people, and we as adults too, tend to try and manipulate or control their internal weather. We cannot, as human beings, control our thoughts or our emotions. Both of those endeavours are futile 
I'm no more likely to be able to control my emotional weather than I am to control the weather outside your house. But they will put so much energy into trying to control it. And half of the problem there is the labels that we put on the emotions. We tend to use this language of, you know, a positive emotion or a negative emotion, a good emotion or a bad emotion. And the minute we label something as bad or negative means that we're less willing to have it. And we need to be willing to have it. But if we put all of our energy into the compulsions, the checking and the controlling compulsions, you know, watching the YouTube cat videos or, you know, having another glass of wine as an adult, you know, we tend to be, we get into really unhelpful patterns there. If I'm a student and I'm feeling like I'm not in a good place with my head and with my revision, I, I kind of need to accept that I might not always be in a good place. Yeah, and don't wait till you're ready. Yeah. Because you will never be ready. The only bit that you do actually have any control over is the now. And the only things that you have control over is where you put your feet and your hands. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, that labelling, that habit that we get into of this constantly wanting to feel good and move towards positive emotions, you know, I find it much more useful to encourage students to check in with themselves before they start their revision. And there's a really lovely, um, there are many of them available on the internet, on YouTube, a three-minute breathing space. It's a really lovely opportunity at the start of doing a block of revision. And the three-minute breathing space is just an opportunity for you as a student to become a little bit more curious about where your mind and your body are. Too many students are sitting down to revise and even showing up for their exams with a disconnect between their mind and their body. Their mind is on something else. Their body may be there, but their mind is elsewhere. The three-minute breathing space is an opportunity to calm your body down and then your mind follows. It's not the other way. So if we can calm our body, then our mind follows and then we can give it the opportunity to be an integrated brain as opposed to one that has the lid flipped off it. I've done O-levels myself in that disconnected state and in one of them I achieved um, a zero and I'd really prepared well for that. And so that blank mind syndrome that people experience sometimes in exams is a real thing. And that's because adrenaline and cortisol, which are the chemicals that come out when we're anxious, actually um, mean that our memory becomes impaired and we're not able to retrieve the information when we're in a highly agitated state. So even just checking in and being curious and name it to tame it. If you can name an emotion, it becomes a feeling. So an emotion is energy in motion, and a feeling is an awareness of it. Young people, and it's not their fault, 
it's not your fault, guys, that, that, that these big emotions show up and you're not quite sure how to read them. That's okay. It's not your fault. That's just kind of where your brain is at the moment. But even if you can bring some awareness to those physical sensations and actually name it, then at least that gives you the opportunity to try and establish what it is that you need. Because most emotions show up because we need something. Sometimes that's affection, alone time, attention, maybe even just appetite. Maybe you haven't had breakfast. But if you're starting your revision at 11.20 in the morning, curled up on your bed in fetal position, your, your brain's going to be asleep too. So if you're going to do a three-minute breathing space, especially over the Easter holidays, it's a wonderful habit to get into and to do that three-minute breathing space at three minutes to nine and at three minutes to one when you're revising because those are the times that you're going to be sitting your exams in the summer and you, and the brain craves routine. Your brain loves routine. And then it'll become perfectly normal and natural to be working hard at nine o'clock and one o'clock, which is when you're taking your exam absolutely and you really i mean there's so much research that's been carried out on this but in terms of you know increased productivity we know that just a young person being able to name the emotions that are there and trying to read why has that shown up right at the heart of this is recognizing that an emotion is there because you're either moving towards something that matters to you or you're moving away from it most young people think that these are random. You know, if I, let's take my children, if I do something that moves me towards being the mother that I want to be with my children, then I may experience a fleeting moment of joy. But if I do something that maybe pulls me away or takes me away from the values that I want to bring to being a mother, then I may experience sadness. I have to be willing to experience both sides of that coin. And a lot of young people are not willing to experience what they perceive to be negative emotions. All emotions are the most wonderful opportunities for self-exploration. They are not random. They show you what matters to you. And if you can pause for three minutes before you start revising and think about why on earth you're doing what you're doing, why are you revising? If you can connect with that value, then you're going to be more willing to embrace the full range of human emotions and not just the ones that you perceive as being good. One thing you mentioned a, a moment ago was was mindfulness. And I, sort of a lot of the ideas you've been mentioning are, are quite related to the, mm. the idea of mindfulness. If, just for someone that's that's new to the idea, perhaps you could just explain what 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 that word means. That's such a good <laughs> the thing is, is that that word. As soon as you mention the word, I yawn, and and that's not because. That's not because I find the subject boring, quite the opposite. I guess what I get frustrated with is the overuse, the, the fact that we, I think we really misunderstand it. I think everybody has their own definition of it. For me, is it is mind and body in the same place at the same time. It is about understanding that the present, this moment, is the only bit that we have any control over. And I think we spend a lot of our lives in the future, and or looking in our review, 
mirrors. We don't get very far if we try and drive just looking in our rearview mirror. So we cannot control the future and the past, however much social media may give us an opportunity to try and alter it. The only thing that we actually um, can control is this moment and the present. And we know that rumination is a real saboteur for teenagers. And so dwelling on yeah, things. and social media makes it very, very difficult for us to let the past be the past. It constantly pulls us backwards, and our education system constantly pulls students towards events. I see year eights who are anxious about their GCSEs already. Wow. So we've got 12-year-olds who are being constantly reminded that this is what you're moving towards and In they four are years time. Yeah, and they're not present i'd just be just be interested so you mentioned the the idea of doing a, a, a three minute breathing <laughs> space youtube video perhaps tr- three minutes to nine and three minutes to one as you said is there anything else we can do kind of practically as students to either structure our day or, or particular you know exercises we could do either physically or in our minds yeah i mean um, I, to, to help with some of these yeah i mean i think if you're if, i think you, the 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 trick is to is to be more curious so the the trick is to check in if you don't check in to how emotionally aroused you are if you don't sort of accept the message that the emotion is bringing you then it's more likely that rather than it just being a nice polite message it'll end up feeling like a dumper trucks turned up in your mind and dumped a big emotion on you because we know that to resist is to persist when it comes to emotions i went to a talk a few years ago and the chap said that you know you are not a you are not a tree you can move you know if you're stuck move i think very often if you're sitting down to do revision you've checked in with yourself and you've reminded yourself you know what really matters to you why are you putting all of this effort in if you've connected with both of those and you still feel as though you're not in the right headspace then i would always suggest move move your revision downstairs into the kitchen go to your local library some lovely research on that you know 12 13 14 year olds going to do their homework in a local library after school their F- the productivity goes through the roof yeah. and also get off your bed your bed is for sleep if you're not sitting in an upright position and if you are slouching then you would do well to remember that posture impacts emotions, emotions impact posture. It's a two-way street. So if you're slouching and you're restricting the oxygen going from your head to your body, then you're more likely to have a disconnected brain and because basically you're sending a message to your limbic system that that something's not right, that you're in danger or you're unsafe. That's and so- quite old part of the brain it that- certainly is i mean that's the mammalian and the reptilian part of your brain the survival and the safety bit but the bit that's intriguing is that um we can actually make a small difference to our emotions just by adjusting our posture so there's some lovely research done on superhero pose for teenagers and for younger children but one was you know just standing in front of the mirror for two minutes each day with your hands on your hips and your face staring straight ahead with your legs hip width apart as in literally superhero pose 
has a really lovely impact on the brain. And it, and it goes a little way with confidence too. So just remember if you're slouching, posture has a profound impact actually on the ability for us to be fully present and therefore effective. So I think in answer to your question, I think having what your mission statement is, why are you revising? Is it to reach your potential? Is it to make somebody else proud? Is it to prove people wrong? I sabotaged my year 11 in school. And the only thing that actually made a difference to my productivity and my engagement was when somebody said to me, can you just find any value in these O-levels at all? And I realised in that moment that it wasn't the O-levels that mattered, but leaving home did. And the only way that I was going to get to leave home at 18 was to go to university. The only way I was going to get to university was with A-levels. The only way I was going to get A-levels was O-levels. So despite literally derailing, I was able to actually get back onto those tracks again. So I think that's why I do the job that I do because I know what it's like to be derailed by not having a value that I'm moving towards and also having a very unhelpful thought that became a belief that I was thick. Mm. Now, I still have that. That thought is still with me on a daily basis, but I've learned to relate to that thought differently. I can't stop it from popping up. But what I do know, I can be a little bit more self-compassionate when it does. So I think for teenagers as well, not believing everything their mind tells them is a great place to start because your mind is more likely to tell you untruths than it is truths. That's because its job is to keep you safe. So it's going to tell you, don't try for your exams. Because if you don't try for your exams and you don't show up for them, you're going to rescue yourself from the difficulty that comes with that. So be really careful about what your mind is saying because you are listening to it. And and thank you for that, by the way. Some amazing advice in there. There's something really interesting you mentioned was about just a moment ago about the sort of untruths we tell ourselves, you know, uh, you know, I'm thick, you said, or, um, you know, I'm, oh, I'm not very good at maths. Oh, but it is, a bit. but it is true. So the, 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 the mistake we make as human beings is, is labeling these thoughts as true or false or positive or negative to me if we can just use the language of unhelpful or unhelpful sure that has a profound impact so unhelpfully telling ourselves that we're thick or you know i don't hear people i'm you know i'm bad at maths um what are the sorts of um, ways we can tone down those unhelpful thoughts um, and succeed in maths or? i mean i think the first thing is to understand that that is the conversation that's going on inside your mind in the first place. If we believe everything our mind chucks at us, then it's going to make life an awful lot more difficult than it is already. So part of this is learning to, in moments of self-doubt, to try and be a little bit kind to ourselves. And and that's not necessarily speaking to the self-critic, but I always find it's a nice exercise when maybe a thought comes up, I am thick. Even if I just put in front of that sentence, my mind is telling me that I'm thick. That softens it a little bit. Or even I'm having the thought that I'm a bit thick. Because actually, I'm thick is very harsh 
And it's a, it's a bullying thought. We can get bashed around by those. We can't stop them from coming. But a lot of mindfulness is also about trying to um, see our thoughts and emotions as transient. You know, we have 50,000 thoughts a day. We make 35,000 decisions each day. And yet we can become fused with two or three of them. If we can try and see those thoughts as being almost in a in a sky as clouds just passing, if we can kind of pause and let them pass rather than living our lives by. I think teenagers very often, because of their stage in their development, they find these thoughts, they believe them, they fuse with them. And um, that can be profoundly unhelpful. By the way, just as unhelpful as the thought, I am fantastic. I mean, I am fantastic. It, it may not be such a great thought either. So it's just looking at whether or not it's helpful or unhelpful rather than trying to prove it or disprove it. That's wonderful. Thank you. And we can uh, we can put some links to some of the resources you're suggesting in the in the show notes, like the three minute breathing space video so people can find them. I think there's just one other question before we wrap up. You, you were sort of touching on a little bit of how we relate to our friends and perhaps also our, our, our family when we're when we're preparing for exams. Is there anything else you'd say on how we should think about managing those relationships, what sort of conversations we should be having with our family, with our friends, particularly if we're a bit anxious, a bit worried? I think in terms of uh, relationships at home, I just I, I go back a little bit to the idea of naming it to tame it. I think it's if we can just verbalise and check in with other people and say, you know, I'm feeling really anxious or I'm feeling fearful just being able to name something actually tames the impact the arousal levels that it has in our bodies so learning to communicate to your parents and just saying you know there's some anxiety here today because I think what you'll probably find is that your parent will then say well if I had my GCSEs coming up I'd be feeling anxious too so part of this is just embracing anxiety and fear as being they're kind of going to be with you for the whole of this journey rather than put energy in to getting rid of them so part of it is about being honest and open about how you feel because that's going to help those feelings be felt which is what they're meant to be rather than putting energy into trying to control them and secondly there's no shame in saying to your family members I'm feeling anxious today or I'm going to go and take myself off for a 20 minute walk because I know that's a brain changer again with your friends too you're, you're all feeling pretty much the same way and I guess what I would end with is just reminding all of you that you know vulnerability is the thing that we find it really really hard to accept in ourselves but it's actually the one thing that we search for in others so actually vulnerability is how we make friends and how we make good connections I don't want any friend of mine or any child of mine to be perfect I want them to have the same roller coaster ride that I know we all have as being human. So we find it quite difficult sometimes to be vulnerable, and I get that. But when you can be vulnerable, take the risk and be vulnerable with one of your peers, I think what you'll find is that they feel vulnerable too. And that's how we make um, deep friendships with peers. So maybe, you know, courage, maybe tap into a little bit of that courage and practice um, being vulnerable. You might be surprised as to where it takes you. That's, that's such wonderful advice. Thank, thank you, Rachel. I always 
end with a question about pe- people's personal thoughts on what they'd say if they had the opportunity to to step into a time machine and go back and find their 15 or 16 year old self in the playground and what piece of advice would you give to her and her in your case oh gosh that's a <laughs> that's a challenging question i would probably quote to myself um, one of my daughter's favourite quotes, which is, it'll be all right in the end. Um, if it's not all right, it's not the end. So I think, for me, as somebody who derailed in year 11, I would remind myself that being human is is hard. And there are going to be moments of profound difficulty. But that, that difficulty does not mean that I'm failing. That difficulty means I'm living. And also just a little bit of growth mindset, especially when I got into a lot of trouble at school. I think I would probably say, you're not good at maths yet. I used to say to myself, I can't do, I can't do maths and therefore I couldn't do maths. If I had been able to say to myself, I can't do maths yet, then I think that might have had a, a big impact because a lot of my struggle went with them. Um, not being able to perform academically. So I probably would practice a little bit of growth mindset with myself and maybe try and be a bit more honest and open to teachers um, of the depth of my struggle. I actually just kept it entirely to myself and that really wasn't wasn't a good move. So I think I would try and practice being vulnerable and see difficulty as being an inevitable part of me growing as a person. Help is more often available to those who ask for it than sometimes we think. Absolutely. Um, that's absolutely wonderful. I think this has been an incredibly useful conversation. I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure lots of people listening have as well. If there's anyone listening that would that's sort of interested in finding out a bit more about what you've, you've sort of been talking about, is, is there any way you suggest people get in touch? Yeah, I mean, um, can we put my email address um, on the resources? Yeah, yeah, more than happy for anybody to email me with any questions that they have. And I'm more than happy to divert you to the wealth of resources that there are um, already on the internet. And just challenge anybody listening, if you want to practice this stuff for yourself, this the, the mental gymnastics, taking your mental health as seriously as you do your physical health, then maybe sign up and do one of the free 10-day trials for one of the uh, meditation apps such as Headspace. You've got a wonderful opportunity now to make real changes to the way that your brain functions. If you can try and get that brain of yours from being on high alert to sort of rest and digest mode, then I think you'll find that your performance follows. Thanks again, Rachel. I very much hope you enjoyed the episode today and look forward to your company on the podcast again soon, particularly as next week I'll be making a special announcement about my new exam technique book, Outsmart Your Exams, which I'm going to be giving away at a very special price for just a few days. I'll be sharing all details as part of next week's episode, but to make sure you don't miss the announcement, you might also want to join the Exam Study Expert Insiders mailing list, who are going to be getting the news first. If you want to join up, head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash join, J-O-I-N, which will take you to a page to sign up to the list and get a free set of study and revision resources into the bargain. So I hope to see you next week. And until then, very best of luck with your studies. And to those of you with exams this week, and I know there's a few, I'm going to be rooting for you. 
Good luck. Thanks for listening to the Exam Study Expert Podcast. Remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review for our show in your podcast player. 